Hello again and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and I'm here at the England training base at Bisham Abbey National Sports Centre in Buckinghamshire. Well, out in Tokyo is my WRP partner, the Harlequin and England World Cup winner, Rachel Burford. Later in the show, Rachel chats to a very happy World Rugby Women's 15s Player of the Year, Emily Scarrett. Brian O'Driscoll came and said congratulations before the awards, just for the nomination. And like things like that are just mad. Like I didn't necessarily even know that he knew who I was. Well, the big names keep rolling in as I chat with World Cup winning skipper Katie Daly-McLean, MBE. It is one of the best places in the world to play because they know how to put on a game. You want to go to spectacles and France deliver a spectacle. And as Wales head to Dublin on Sunday to take on Ireland, the week after a humbling 29-5 defeat to Spain, we preview that game with the help of Ireland and Waspy, Dr Claire Malloy. OK, let's get straight to that interview with Emily Scout with our lady on the ground, Berth. Those prestigious World Rugby Player of the Year awards were handed out in Tokyo on Sunday. The women's shortlist included England's Katie Daly-McLean and Sarah Byrne, New Zealand's Kendra Coxage and France's Pauline Bourdon. But it was the England centre, Emily Scour, who took the award, emulating another friend of the pod, her captain, Sarah Hunter. I'm here at the World Rugby Awards in Japan, where I'm sat with the incredible Emily Scarrett. Um, you've just picked up World Player of the Year award, but, I mean, let's go back to the beginning. Leicester Forest East, young five-year-old, were you? Yeah. I mean, did you ever imagine that, you know, you'd be sat here today picking up the World Player of the Year award? No, <laughs> never in a million years. Um, it's, like, as a five-year-old, you're just running around causing chaos, offside, um, <laughs> don't understand that the ball's got to go backwards, you know, all of that stuff that happens as a kid. Getting told to run forward. Yeah, your dad's probably the coach. It's, you know how it is. It's, uh, yeah, you never in a million years imagine that sort of stuff. You, um, I didn't even think about playing for England probably until I was about 14, 15. I think that's, that's probably what's just been really nice about kind of my career is I've never put pressure on things it's just you're just that good it happened that's not what I meant I knew you were just that <laughs> no but you just you put your head down and you focus on what's in front of you and then if it's going to happen it's going to happen yeah um and yeah obviously there's been a hell of a lot kind of in between that and filling in quite a lot of gaps but yeah sat here today having just won that award is properly properly nuts so I guess let's take it back to the start obviously Nominations only came out a little while ago, like a couple of days they were publicly announced, but you've known for about a week or so. Yeah. I mean, what was, what was that sort of emotion? What did you do as soon as you found out? Who did you tell? Who could you tell? Who couldn't you tell? Yeah, so Nikki sat me down and was like, oh, so we need to talk about your um, World Rugby letter. And I was like, what World Rugby letter, Nikki? And she was like, oh, the, you know, I had a letter. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, was it through the post? I was like, I might not. Maybe it's gone to mum and dad's. Like, well, totally naive. Anyway. It's like they and, still send letters. Yeah. <laughs> then she pulled it up on her laptop and obviously it was just the two of us sat there. So I felt a bit of pressure to skim through this letter. Saw the nomination, saw the World Player of the Year, saw Tokyo, saw World Cup final ticket. And all of these things are all in one. And I was like, flipping heck. And then I just looked at it and she was like... Um, kind of like you can go because obviously we're in the middle of autumn stuff at the moment um, or just starting um, and I was like oh my god like mad kind of processing obviously this weekend was our pretty much our only weekend off before Christmas so I had things planned mm. all of a sudden then you go into overdrive of I've got to sort this out I've got to sort this out I've got to sort this out and you don't really 
uh, you're thinking constantly about the logistics and kind of letting people down or whatever that looks yeah. like rather than actually what that means I doubt you let anybody down when you told them the reason <laughs> that you couldn't be wherever you needed to be this weekend I'm sure everybody was very proud yeah and like, what about when you told your, your mum and your dad? Yeah, so I rang them, we were in camp, I rang them on the way home, rang mum and just said, mum, we need to go dress shopping. She was like, oh, we're okay, what for? <laughs> um, and told her and she was like, oh. Um, and then rang my dad after he was sat on the tractor and he was like, oh, well, even if you come fifth, love, that's great. And I was like, I, was like, I don't think they rank it one to five, dad. <laughs> I think they just announced a winner. Oh, bless um, you. But yeah, they're amazing. Um, and then my brother texts me, so I then rang him. I think dad had told him, I was like, dad, you can't tell anyone. <laughs> straight, yeah, away, straight away, thanks um, Brilliant. Let my, let my brother off, I think. But um, yeah, mad. Just and mad. Uh, like we probably should touch on, because you know Katie would kill us if we don't mention her, but I think... It just shows like such a good year so far that England are having. You've got Katie Daly McLean and Sarah Byrne and yourself nominated. I think I did mention about, you know, Katie's obviously making you two look good as always. But I mean, not just aside from those two, but the other nominees, like to be up against and, and running for the World Player of the Year against those. I mean, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's, it is nuts. Like when they obviously release that photo of the five of us all in one um, shot, it's, it's crazy because obviously you play against Kendra, you play against on and obviously play alongside the other two girls and you know what class they have you know what hard work they put in and you also know that there's oh, I don't know 10 20 other women around the world that are doing exactly the same and have you know such qualities to them as well and they haven't kind of made that top five so when you put things into context like that it's yeah it's I'm just super humbled by the whole thing and like massively honoured to have been nominated for one and now this is just this is too much I mean you have done it all basically really like obviously you've been England player of the year you're Commonwealth medalist you've been to the Olympics World Cup winner I mean where does this sit in terms of your career and and I mean you've still got a way to go with your career as well so I mean tell us how do you feel in terms of where it ranks yeah I don't know I think it's probably gonna take a bit of time to sink in and and probably maybe realize what what it means but I think um one to come out to Japan to be at the World Cup final, obviously, that the guys were in. Poor you, you had to be <laughs> surrounded by I the Kiwi surrounded girls. surrounded by Kiwis. It was just <laughs> mocking the life out of me, but we still got a silver rather than a bronze, <laughs> so we'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the whole thing. Um, you know, it's not just about coming to an awards evening or, um, you know, winning the award. It's about the whole thing. And Brian O'Driscoll came and said congratulations before the awards, just for the nomination. And, like, things like that are just mad. Like, I didn't necessarily even know that he knew who I was um and things like that just yeah they're just super humbling and kind of as you said earlier to be nominated alongside some of those girls as you say Katie Dana McLean long-suffering roommate and (laughs) um fantastic player that I've both played with for so many years um yeah just players like that that have given so much to the game um you know they deserve it as much as anyone yeah I think you know my opinion you've probably been in the running for this for a number of years so it's so nice to see you get that achievement and so like what's next now what's you're literally what's happening as soon as you get home so get back on a plane and um head back to to England and then head out to France um so we've got French test next weekend another French test the following weekend but but down in Exeter um and then uh, Italy and Bedford so um, yeah busy few weeks hopefully obviously if I'm involved in those games but um, yeah really important to snap back into it the, there's probably 
a lot of pressure now coming back with that title. Everyone's going to expect a bit more from you. There'll probably be a lot more um, heat put on you, I'm sure. Um, when I'm trying to kick the ball, there'll be a little bit more noise and what have you <laughs> around it. So, yeah, just make sure, again, put my head down and, and hopefully kind of get things going again. Yeah, as you do, you always think about what's directly in front of you and, and things like this never, ever go to your head. Like I, like I said, all those accolades and you just focus on one job at a time and you're definitely one of the calmest and safest players to play with and, and it just shows, you know, this whole room is... Probably everybody knew that, that you should have been in the running to win this and deservedly so got the award and you know obviously you got all the Kiwi girls around you and you were sitting sat next to Kendra and I thought it was a bit harsh that on the VT they showed her stepping yes, you that's a bit harsh <laughs> um, but no all, all fun and games but I see big whirlwind of a turnaround for you the Kiwi girls are trying to get you out aren't yeah. they because it's the end of their season they, they've got nothing on now the yeah. girls are a while away from their next tournament and Kendra's got five weeks off so, exactly yeah. she said she was trying to push you but yeah. don't worry Emily is on water I can vouch for her Simon Middleton um, but no look huge congratulations um, from myself and from Johnny um, but yeah I think you fully deserve this and it's been a pleasure to play alongside you and make you look great <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. You're a gem. Well, huge congratulations to Skaz. So richly deserved. And huge congratulations as well to New Zealand's Ruby Tui, who picked up the Sevens Player of the Year award. Hey, I'm Mohan, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So to England, Simon Middleton's team will kick off the defence of their Six Nations title in France in just 11 weeks' time now. But this weekend, they head to Clermont-Ferrand to begin a series of three autumn tests that will see them take on France home and away before meeting Italy in Bedford on the 23rd. So here we are at uh, Bisham Abbey with uh, Katie Daly-McLean. 107 caps uh, for England. All-time record points scorer with over 500. Captain of the... Uh, World Cup winning side of 2014, an Olympian and a general all-round good egg. Yes, that's what MBE. Oh, yeah. Yep, pop that in there. And have I missed anything out? We've missed one out. What's that? World Player of the Year nominee. Nominee. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Okay, well, you're going to go straight there. Number one, let's start with a positive. <laughs> How delighted were you with your close friend and teammate, Emery Scout, won the title? Oh. If anybody was going to win it after me, you'd want to, wouldn't you? Um, no, it's it's a great honour, you know. I think look, probably looking back, we would have said Skazzy probably would have been up there in 2014 when we won the World Cup. Um, but actually for her to win it, looking gorgeous on the night, just a, in her red, just so happy. There's a little part of you that uh, is a little bit gutted because let's be honest, you did have a very good year. I mean, if, she, if I was there and I tripped her up but she stumbled, that would have... You know, but no, not at all. You never think about individual honours and then they come up and they're in and around. But actually for me, I've been really, really happy with my performances and it's just it's nice to see one of us win it. I think obviously you see New Zealand and, and France have dominated previously and actually to have a Red Rose winning it again is, is pretty cool. And she's back now. Did you, you just had a little word with her? Yeah, apparently the trophy's coming to live in our room for the next week. We're going to take her with us and she's going to do uh, parades around the hotel. And charge for visits as well. Nice. Yeah. And are you what a chief chief buffer, chief polisher? Yeah, basically I'm her bounce. I've got to polish it at night for her, look after it, uh, make sure it's all ready to go the next day. <laughs> like I guess you're rooming with her in France then. Yes, her and her trophy. We've got three. Her and her trophy. Are you allowed the bed or? No, the I trophy's think got trophy. The bed. I think I'm just gonna sleep in the chair. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Again, you, you seem really, really settled at the moment. You, you seem like you're in a really good place on and off the field. Going through last year's Six Nations, you, you seem to be. And it, how appropriate this week that you're going to France because uh, you seem like a really good Bordeaux. <laughs> that you're just beginning to mature uh, and getting better and better with age. Is that how you see it from, from inside Katie Daly McLean's head? Yeah, I think uh, Catherine Spencer mentioned that, didn't they? She compared me to a nice bottle of red, um, which I took as a compliment, like you say. I think um, it's funny, isn't it? When you're younger, so now definitely when I was younger, 20, 21, approaching my first cap, you want everything then. I wanted to be the best there and then as a 10. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to be able to, to have all the skills. And I think probably for me, yeah, I think with age I've definitely got a lot better. I think I'm more my game's more balanced. Um, I have a better understanding of the type of 10 I want to be. But also kind of where he brought in a, a, a different um, a different feel to how he wanted his bat line to go to when we had Gary and and obviously I learned a lot from Gary Street which change was, was great for me and I'm really kind of happy with how I'm performing at the moment When you bring that into an international scenario do you feel so much more comfortable? Yeah. You're a fly half you're, you've obviously always been a leader that's, you're the yeah. quarterback that, that's how it is but do you feel far more comfortable now in, in, in that role? Yeah I think when you used to, coming into England there was like even more pressure on you because obviously you represent your country and you want to even be even better and I think now we have so many talented players nines, eights, twelves, fifteens that make decisions. So for me, at times I can almost drop out of the play and just have a look because actually the, the team knows their role, they know how we want to play and having Zoe outside me at 12, actually another fly half, she can just step in and she can run the game and almost I can just have a little feel and it's a really nice way of playing. It's a much more enjoyable way of playing. Generally, the, the mix of players, you said there's a lot of talented players now. How is the map? The, the, the mix of, of the England squad how are you as, as a squad I think for me over the last 10 years this has been the bi- the broadest range of players so we've got some girls that are 20 and you've got the likes of me and Suns or Suntner especially who's getting closer to 40 oh, 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 oh. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> um, and then everything in between um, so I think like off the field some of the music they listen to like some of them have never heard of Steps how can you not have heard of Steps um, and then on the field, they just have a real positive love for the game. Like they, they want to play. They're they're a bit more adventurous. But and a lot of them, especially playing alongside the likes of Zoe, remind me of me when I was younger. We like right. Well, why can't we run it from under our twenty-two? Why would we want to take a safer option? Um, and I think that that's brilliant because it gives us that mix to go. You know what? It's just right. Let's back her and go with it. Or actually we need to rein her in a little bit and actually I'm going to say no, we're going to go kick to the line and we'll build. And I think as a rugby side, it makes us even more dangerous because actually you've got people that have got no fear. They've got no reason to have any fear yet. And, and, and if, if you're watching the Red Roses come Saturday lunchtime for, for the first time, A, where have you been? B, <laughs> um, who would you point out as a more mature player, PC, like that? Like that. Um, who to look out for? Ooh, great question. I think you can't shy away from looking at the likes of like Abby Scott in the second row. Uh, she's like really now taking on the lineouts and commanding that aerial battle. Um, she also got a good handling game and, and partnered, you know, the likes of Zoe Allcroft. Has actually been around for much longer than probably her history or her caps would say. Um, and then you've got Abby Dow returning on the wing, very good in the air. Good pacey, but also loves a bit of like contact. 
like a winger that wants to run into people, which I've never understood. Um, and then obviously can't shy away from mentioning World Player of the Year winner, who is in great form, Emmy Scarrett. I think for us, she is being vital, but just because of all the skill sets she has. You talk about centres that can pass and run, the likes of Rachel Burford, who phenomenal talent. But actually, when you look at what Scars brings, she has a, a really, really broad game of she can kick, she can run, and she can pass, and she can make decisions, which are generally 90% right. And she does it with such an ease. Such ease, such grace. We'll move on from her. <laughs> Do you think she'll think something sarcastic? Like the Murphys, we're not bitter. No, no absolutely. Um, <laughs> But, but even we take it back to 2014, can you quite believe where where rugby is now? From playing on back pitches at Surrey Sports Park in a World Cup to going to France and playing in stadiums to actually being in Norman Ireland and actually then, and then looking forward to a World Cup in New Zealand. And I just think the game has grown. It's a, it amazes me and it doesn't because I just think the standard has come with it and that was always going to be the thing that was going to drive it or hold it back. Actually, could we live up to the investment that the RFU or the unions want to put into the game, French Union. And actually, I think the game's more than done that, the, t- the talent of these girls now, because it, it gives a difference to what the men's game, the men's game has probably become very kicking. Obviously, the guys the guys are so big, they fill the field, there's less space, there's less running rugby, there's less quality of handling, just because actually the physical battle is now the biggest thing. Whereas I think the women's game hasn't hit that yet and actually you still get a, the skill level of girls running in open space and actually it's not just about them oh, being female and they're not as athletic or as quick actually in their own merit it offers something different for a rugby spectator I, know, I, know, I think it's a fabulous point that standard driving that was almost spearheading it, isn't it? everything yeah. else has got to catch up um, it's a great point let, 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 let's move on to, to France this weekend you have any idea what French side's going to turn up? <laughs> no, and even less so when you go to France. I think that, for me, it is one of the best places in the world to play because they know how to put on a game. And when you're training as hard as we are and putting as much effort into it, you want to go to spectacles, and France deliver a spectacle. So for us as an England side, you've almost got to prepare for everything and hope one of the things you prepared for present itself on the day. I mean, I don't know if you were watching the Super Series in the summer. It was a fairly tight affair. Yeah. What, 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 were the, what were the learnings that the Mids and, and Scott and, and, and Blazy have brought into this camp? I think the big learnings are about that territory battle now and about that kind of the middle, the middle ground of, um, of playing in the middle of the pitch. You know, sometimes we talk about it, but actually games are won and lost there because actually you make unforced errors. It based now will cost you either, it'll cost you territory and therefore can then cost you points. And it's about, I think, for us as a squad, making sure that we dominate that middle ground and we play all our rugby in the right area. We know, obviously, Tremolet has got a fantastic kicking game and is also a very, very savvy fullback. And actually, France have always have it and still do a lot of good ball carriers. So actually, the thing that we don't want to do as an England side is give them territory, give them easy territory and give them easy points for us. And I think come Saturday, that'll be a really, really important battle. Have you ever played in Clermont before? It's in clermont Franc. No, so I've never been there. Oh, no. Oh, be nice. Nice. It's really, really nice. And start Marseille Michelin. You obviously not not nope. played there before. Crowd right on top of you. Very vociferous. One of my favourite European destinations. What what is it? Well, okay, well, you've not been to Clermont. You've been to Grenoble. Grenoble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Similar kind of pitch. What is it like to play? Because 
if you say they're now to put a game on, what is it like to play in front of that so those think, kind of crowds? Well, my my best memory is obviously you, we came out it, um, to start the game to sing the anthems, and it is literally I think that there was seventy and a half thousand there. About seventeen thousand four hundred and fifty of them were French people waving French flags and going absolutely wild. And you've got a small fifty probably of our family just sitting yeah, in the middle of it. Yeah, literally mums yeah. and dads. But I think for that for us and I think for the girls, when we talk about the standard drive in the game and that's what you want. Like you're working to really promote our game and actually to see that what France have done to promote it it's hostile it's big it's loud it's noisy but those are interested in watching that and for me like that it brings out the best in you and these youngsters who are in the squad now what advice are you going to give to them pre-kickoff to, for, for playing in France yeah it's huge isn't it I think it's things that we touched on earlier almost you've got to go away and experience this so actually we can be like look be aware that it's going to be loud and noisy but it's actually the process stuff on the pitch it's things that actually we're not going to be able to communicate across four channels of people because there's going to be so much noise so actually passing relay messages is going to be really important making sure that we're making eye contact things that actually will help us improve our performance but I think most of all for me is to enjoy it I think when I was younger you wanted to fight against it but actually it's just about embracing that embracing that these people want to come and really support their girls and actually how, how can we almost go and ruin their party so if we look ahead to the other three games yeah. what, what what's going to be a success for England in this autumn series so you're away to France yeah. this week Sandy Park next week France and then Italy up at Bedford what, 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 what's going to constitute success I think those guys are, we're going to want three wins I think that's got to be our, our minimum standard but I think it's about improving our performance we've talked now or previously about developing the Red Roses for me as a player that's almost done we're now looking to prep building into a World Cup year because actually you've got to start creating a winning mentality you can't just play oh we're, we're developing we're trying things I think for that we're, we're done and actually this autumn now is about laying markers so actually the minimum standard is, is to, to go and get three wins going to France is obviously a, a tough test and then building into the Six Nations you're going to want to see a, a real improvement in our performance and stuff that the, these guys especially Blaze and his work that he's done defensively with us he's going to want to start seeing results from us do you, do you, Does your mind wander to Six Nations and even the World Cup do you uh, allow yourself not really I think when you get to my age you live for tournament to tournament a little bit um, you're too busy mate, with the master and yeah, popping cod liver oil and, and, and polishing the trophy <laughs> <laughs> that's Gaz's trophy just in case um, <laughs> but no I think you, you obviously look ahead and I think for us we, we get to play France quite a lot we play them Six Nations we play them in the summer so this will be we would have played them four times this year um, but it's really interesting to go back to back because you don't usually get that in Test rugby. Um, so I think that for us will be for both sides. It'll be interesting to see almost is this first game going to be people feeling each other out a little bit, and actually how do you then adapt seven days later to play them again at Sandy Park, which we know will deliver a big crowd. We had so much support there in the in the Six Nations, so to go back and to play France after obviously playing them away. The, the kind of the tables will be turned hopefully and then we finish in Bedford with Italy who were probably one of our toughest games in the Six Nations because actually the way they played and the way they defend may, means that we've, as an England side we've got to work we've got to keep working and you can't kind of switch off because they, they want to come and pressure they want to fill the field they want to, they want to pressure your skills um, so you're going to get three very different tests well, the bright lady you are, you, you printed my, my next question was, how, how unique a challenge is it, is it back-to-back? Because it doesn't happen very often. No, and it, it doesn't really happen, even in club sides, obviously you, get to, you play teams twice in a year, but the chances of you playing them in such close proximity is, is slim, really. Um, so I think for us it'll be very interesting, because obviously 
we'd be able to review them, but they'd be able to, to review us. And actually, you have no idea what's said in each other's rooms. So, depending obviously on how the, the first game goes and, and what happens, you've got basically five days to solve a problem or to fix problems. And for me, as a 10, that's fascinating. It, it, it's a real, real interest because it's about who reacts quick and, and, and who basically is, is brave. If you need to change something, do you go or do you try and do the same? So, who knows? Indeed, who knows? Look, well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I'll let you get yourself cleaned down after, <laughs> after training. I hope you managed to touch the ball rather than sort of having to look after the trophy all weekend. And, <laughs> and I wish you all the very best of, of luck in France. And thanks so much for talking to us. Cheers, Johnny. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Marley Packer, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. OK, let's look ahead to Sunday's game now in Dublin, where Wales travel to Ireland off the back of that record defeat to Spain last weekend. And joining me to look ahead, a no-nonsense flanker who has won over 50 caps for Ireland and captained her country in the last World Cup. Now ripping up trees in the Tyrrells Premier 15s, it's Claire Malloy. OK, thank you very much uh, for, for joining us on the, uh, on the WRP. Uh, how's things? Uh, are you busy at the moment? Yeah, busy working away, um, kind of enjoying a bit of a, a break from uh, the games now that we've got our, our awesome break from TPs. We've had a busy uh, six weeks with Wasps um, with some decent results and uh, some not so happy. Now, you have a, a, an incredibly involved day job outside of playing for, for Wasps and uh, normally with Ireland. What is the day job and, and what are you doing? What sphere are you working with at the moment? Um, so I'm an A&E doctor. Um, I'm working in uh, what's called the paediatric A&E department in, in Cardiff. Um, so it's kind of a yeah, mixture of kind of four to five shifts a week between nights and evenings more typically. And yeah, it's kind of seeing kids as they come in, um, their injuries and illness, um, and kind of sorting them out, basically. Wowzers. Like you sort your opposition out on the rugby field, just in a slightly different way. Um, you, you've taken a break uh, from the international uh, game this season. Just, just to explain why, Claire. Um, so it's just come to the kind of natural bit of my career where I kind of have to step up. Um, I've been part time for a bit of it. Um, I took a year out, and it's just kind of getting that kind of progression I need um, to kind of go up the ladder of seniority within A and E. I've had a very, you know, helpful uh, team at the Welsh Deanery uh, who kind of supported my training, and um, it just kind of landed that I kind of just needed to do a full-time year and a full-time year in international rugby as it's progressed it isn't just uh, combatable anymore um, you know particularly when you're going to get full-time athletes uh, when you've got a full-time day job uh, it's, a, it's a bit hard to manage so I think I was just a bit too old for it <laughs> so I had to had to choose one um, so I've gone with uh, work for uh, the novelty of this it's a big change um, but hopefully uh, when during the summertime I'll hopefully be able to put myself forward for Irish selection um, in terms of the World Cup qualifiers um, it's called uh, late next year So you, you're looking for the outside ID uh, to, to the Ireland squad well, what do you make of the, 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 the balance and the, and the blend of that squad? Um, so it's kind of an exciting uh, there's a, lots of new captains some of the young kids are kind of coming in and they put their hands up uh, you know in the 
friendly against Scotland. So we've got, you know, younger players like um, Catherine Dane, who's kind of been involved in the Wee Nines. Um, she's come in, Adele McMahon's obviously come over to Wasp, so she's playing at her in the TPs now. She's coming in at flank and she's kind of had an injury-ridden season last year. And then there's Shannon Tui, one of the young girls from Connacht, and Dorothy Wall. So there's a kind of a degree of like no, new kids coming in that will add to the mix and hopefully it's called Re really Thrive. Um, and then obviously we've got the experience heads of like Kira Griffin and Kleena Malone. He's come back from injury now, so she'll be wanting to make a big impact this season. So I suppose it's all about building towards the qualifiers in August and kind of getting depth and talent, but while also being able to play at a high level. Um, so they had um, they were over in France in Marcuse's playing against the French team last week. So you know it's it's great just getting you know hearing from the girls that they're getting some some good game experience and then obviously they're building towards playing Wales next weekend. You 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 mentioned there that that uh, Wales played at the weekend. Did you catch any any of that game or certainly see the result? Uh, look through the the match report. It looked like a dominant performance from the the Spanish and kind of a it's called a la, uh, it's called a try at the end. For the, the Welsh, um, obviously the Welsh squad itself was a very mixed uh, bag with new caps and old heads as well. So, you know, it's all about developing players. So it'd be, in, you know, interesting to see how the results go. I don't know the Spanish team well enough whether they mixed, uh, an ex- you know, their experienced group or their experienced pool. Um, so obviously it'd be interesting to see what the results would be like if, you know, you picked um, a top-choice Welsh team versus a top-choice Spanish team. Would it be the same or would it be different? It's, it, you know, it's hard to tell in these kind of building-friendly matches. Now you you know the psyche of the Welsh particularly well. Not only obviously working down there as you mentioned, but obviously your time at Bristol, you'd have shared the field with with plenty of Welsh players as well. How would that result have have gone down? Because most people would have possibly raised an eyebrow at it. How would that result gone down in the Welsh camp this week ahead of Ireland? How much will they be hurting? I think there'd be a degree of hurt, um, particularly not getting very many points on the board. Um, they'll obviously see as an invaluable experience in the fact that they'll have had a, a full international test match before playing Ireland, while Ireland have only played, I suppose, training matches as such behind closed doors. You know, they've had test experience now, so they'll probably, you know, take that to their advantage that they're going in a game fresh, uh, you know, having had a run out. And obviously they've mixed their, their squads between the two games anyway, so they've already set out a team was selected for the Irish game before a team at the same time the team was expected for the Spanish team so you know those very clear goals of developing players but while I was looking at the mix of experience between new caps on both sides they have looked to mix both teams to give opportunities to kind of see how different combinations work so I think it would be a valuable experience for them but I wouldn't read into the results very much What can those 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 young Ireland players that are fresh fresh to the scene expect from this this Welsh side. Where are their biggest challenges? I suppose it's their their what's called their physicality in the breakdown. Um, they're notorious for being very good at kind of slowing balls down. Um, and and their defensive structure. They're an organised um, mobile pack generally. Um, they've got good defensive structures in place, and they really like to frustrate you when you've got the ball and challenge you to be creative and attack as a team. So I think that'll be the challenge the Irish team facing is to kind of create the space and, you know, have patience in the phases because it's going to take several phases to break down Welsh teams as it always does and it's just about maintaining patience and then kind of taking your opportunities when provided them with their weather in counter-attack or a kicking game. Um, obviously, they'll have an experienced head running the ship as uh, my old pal Snowy so she'll look to kind of manipulate the space of the Irish defence and, you know, challenge a back three. She's got a great kicking game. So I think it'll be 
you know, an invaluable experience for the new caps of the Irish girls and also for us to kind of get in our own structure and plays and be challenged by a good defensive side as well. Do you, do you think uh, the word revenge will be uh, muted this week after the uh, the Six Nations win by Wales earlier this year against Ireland? It's a different mix-up uh, or make-up of the team. Um, there are different players involved and, you know, they don't have, I suppose they don't carry that, that hurt. But then also they're a little bit more fearless. So we kind of, you know, want to try new things. We don't want to be afraid to express ourselves on the pitch. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is a friendly match. It's about us. Uh, so the Irish girls kind of, I should say, um, you know, establishing their own game plan. Talking about a friendly game, I'm not sure you've ever played a friendly game of rugby in your life, have you? <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think friendly and rugby goes together. But <laughs> you know, there's no uh, tournament at the end. I guess it's what we have to call it. Um, but no, it's 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 brilliant that there are these test matches um, to be played. I don't know how many friendlies I've played against Wales over the years that haven't been a test match. So you know, it's nice that it's getting that recognition, and, and you know, there will be new caps. Yeah, absolutely. Glade, just finally then, Ireland are at home. Um, only this one sort of recognised test, as it, as it were, o- o- over this autumn period. What's the real ec- expectation uh, f- for for the girls this weekend? What 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 would be a successful outcome for this weekend? Taking the, the results aside, I think you know the girls will obviously want to win the fixture, but I think it's about getting confidence in our own structures and our defence and our set piece and really building towards um, the Six Nations, uh, which is obviously a very important tournament for us, and then building on towards the World Cup qualifiers. It's really about, I suppose, getting that experience on the international stage, being adaptable to the opposition that you're playing, while also maintaining your own structures and systems in place. Um, you know, this is it's, it's a dream to get to wear the, the green shirt at any time, but it's, it's what you're going to have to get out of it and what you bring to it that I hope the girls really represent themselves doing. Great stuff, Claire. Thank you so much for your thoughts today. Really, really appreciate them. And uh, I'm sure lots of Ireland fans will uh, wish to see you back in a, in a green shirt very, very soon. In the meantime, we will enjoy you in the golden black of wasps. Thanks so much for joining us on the Women's Rugby Pod. That's all for now. Next week, Rachel will be back from Japan. I hope so, anyway, to help us review those tests in Clermont and Dublin. We'll also be joined by Sarah Byrne, one of those on the shortlist for this year's Player of the Year. Plus, Wales scrum half Kira Bevan will be on hand to help us look ahead to the next round of tests. Remember, subscribe, share and rate us and get in touch with all your news at Pod Women's Rugby. And remember, whatever you're doing to promote the women's game, wherever you are, keep it up. Until next time.